Today we uh, speak to the men, I speak to the men, and we talk about his primary battle. I personally believe this is the most difficult battle, and the one that surfaces the most. I would say if you would ask a man and open him up, this is the fight that we battle the most with, myself included. This is one, if we don't get down, um, literally, we stand in opposition to our God. And so if we don't get this battle down, and if we don't win this battle with the help of our Lord Jesus Christ, then our lives are just, our landscapes are littered with uh, destruction and ruin. And so today we address this topic. And be quite frank, I'll be really honest with you. It's not a message that I enjoy preaching um, because I myself have to stand here and attack a subject that I struggle with. I, I find myself battling. And so even in the delivery of this message, um, it's a daunting task and a humbling experience to, to give this message. But it's one that I need. It's one that men need. And it's one that we will struggle with the rest of our lives because it began in the garden. But we can be victorious over it. It's the fight against pride. And so even as we address that subject, and it plays out in a variety of different ways, every man in this room that checks mail in the box struggles with this battle. Let me show you what I mean. Take a look at this. Got your best men on your front side. You always show your best side. And the evil's always on the other side. You say this is your strategy. Son, I hope you take it from me. You look just like your enemy. You're full of pride. You're full of pride. When will we learn the 
to feel good about themselves. It's a natural response for a man to feel good about where he finds himself in a certain season of life. We long to accomplish. We long to wake up in the morning and feel good about ourselves. However, there's a very fine line between humility and pride. And I'm going to do my very best to t- today to discern the difference between humility and pride. If we don't get this one down, men, we will spend the rest of our lives being opposed by God. Now, just wrap your mind around that for a second. If we don't get the battle of pride down and win it with his help, you will spend and I will spend the rest of our lives in opposition to the God, the creator, the savior of the universe. Plus, at the roots of many sins that we commit as men is pride. When pride rears its ugly head, destruction and ruin follow for your marriage, for your workplace, for your dream, for your business venture, for your ministry, for your children, for everything that you place your hands on, pride will ultimately destroy and ruin everything. Grab your Bibles and I'm going to show you what I mean. Turn to James chapter 4. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. Turn to James chapter 4 and we're going to read verses 6 through 10. Just hold your hand up and 
We have plenty of Bibles for you. You can have your own. Uh, James chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 6 through 10. Would you stand with me as we read God's word? And if you found that passage, would you read it out loud with me? James chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. Let's read this out loud together. Ready? Read. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. You may have a seat. And while you're taking a seat, I want you to look again at verse 6 and verse 10. Sometimes in Scripture, there are these things called inclusios. An inclusio is uh, where a passage of Scripture, a pericope or a paragraph, begins with a word and it closes with the word. Or it begins with a thought and it closes with the same thought. And so as we look at this passage today, you're going to see it beginning with a thought and you're going to see it ending with a thought. Look again at verse 6. It says this. This is why scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor or gives grace to the what? Humble. Now look at verse 10. What's the first word of, of verse 10? Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. So somewhere in between the two words humble, the thought humble, is something in between that addresses how to get humility or how to to get to a point where you're a humble person. Let me better describe it this way. Think about humble pie. We know that term, humble pie. Like he needs to eat some humble pie or he's going to eat some humble pie. So picture this, this passage like a piece of pie with crust on the top. And crust on the bottom and the feeling in between is verses 7 through 9. So verse 6 is the crust on the top. Verse 10 is the crust on the bottom. And verses 7 through 9 are what's inside that makes us have the whole, the humility or the humbleness. So this passage must be interpreted with humility starting, humility ending, a piece of pie. So everything in the middle of the pie is what makes the pie humble. So picture that as we walk through this. We know this from the text. Look at verse 6. It says, but God opposes the proud. Take a second and define the word proud. Let's just define the word, what it means to be proud. Having or showing the attitude of people who think they are better or more important than others. So for men, it's us. It's saying, as we saw in that video, that somehow when we wake up in the morning or we walk through the day or we get to the end of the week or we think about a project, we're thinking, when I walk into the room, I am going to be so much better than everyone. It's having a higher attitude of yourself than you ought to. Look again what happens when we are proud. It says, but God does what to the proud? What's the word? Opposes the proud. What's that mean? Like, okay, how does that play out in our lives? If If we're prideful, what's it mean for God to oppose us then? It means to act against or provide resistance to. It means to combat, to stand in the way or hinder or obstruct. It's to set an opponent or adversary to be hostile or adverse against us. It's to oppose a resolution in a debate. It's to set an obstacle or hindrance. So let's let's just start basic. When you and I are proud, when pride surfaces in our life, 
God becomes our opposer. Now, just think about that. You, you'll hear me use the terminology often about the evil one, Satan. I say that why are marriages in such trouble? Why are marriages so difficult? Why is it so difficult to live as a Christ follower? I often say because we're opposed. We're opposed by an enemy. We're opposed by the evil one who's divide, conquer, and destroy. Now, think about this for a second. God will oppose us if we are prideful. So in, in, in some form or fashion, literally, you end up every day with the defender that's supposed to be defending for you, opposing you. How in the world could we ever do anything godly when the God of the universe is opposing and stopping us? Who wants two opposers? We also know that when we're in opposition to God, we're listening to Satan. But who wants God to oppose us? God takes care of the proud, by the way. Let me just begin there. He puts a halt to. He throws the brakes on a person's life or their business or their family or their dream or their idea or them personally. And it will continue until pride is displaced and filled up with humility. By the way, when I read this passage, I don't know what you do. I have two emotions as a man when I read this. One of fear and one of gratefulness. Fear that says God will do whatever it takes to remove ungodly pride from my life. Gratefulness that it's not my responsibility to make sure someone else gets knocked down because God's, it's God's job and he's pretty good at it. See, here's what happens with men, though. Like, we like, 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 well, I like knocking guys down because we think, oh, if I knock a guy down, that lifts me up. Listen, guys, get this one down. It's not our job to, to knock other men down and take care of their pride. It's God's job to do that. Some really, really think that when they wake up in the morning, it's my job to keep that man humble, to keep that man humble, to keep that person up. Listen, that's not your responsibility. That's God's responsibility. Seriously, if you look through scripture and you look at the ways, just, just open up the Bible. Look, turn to Daniel chapter four and look what he did with King Nebuchadnezzar who was described as a prideful man. You know what he did with him? He literally had him at one point, the text says that he was on his fours. He was literally eating grass like an oxen would. And it said that the hair on his head grew like feathers of a bird and his fingernails turned to that of a claw of a bird. So he literally took his skin and shaped it and gave it feathers and said, you know what? I'm gonna put you so low that the only way you can eat is you eat grass like an oxen. He literally opposed him to the point that he he knocked him down so low that he was eating grass in a pasture. By the way, if you see anything in you that makes you proud, look a little farther and you'll find enough to make you humble. We know our hearts and we know our hearts can deceive us. Oppose sometimes is subtle. You just can't get over the hump. How's that play out in our lives? Now, here's some ways it does. Like, you might get a job promotion as men. You might get a position that you want. You might, like, get your dream opportunity. And so you, you, you're praying about this job, you're praying, and you finally get this job. It's more money. It's better benefits. It's better hours. It's like, finally, we're going to get on top. It's like, 
Finally, my family's going to be on top. Like, this is my dream. And so you think, now I got that. God's favor must be on me because I got that. And you know how he opposes us if we're prideful? You get on top, and then you get on top, it's like all of a sudden there's this bill that comes out of nowhere. All of a sudden your kid is stricken with this disease that requires medical attention. All of a sudden your car engine blows. It's like everything was okay. It's like now you got more money, but you got more bills. Sometimes it plays out in a physical way of just you can't stay on top even though you're making more money because God is opposing you. Let's state the obvious here. Proverbs 3.34 says this, God has no use for conceited people, but shows favor to those who are humble. By the way, that should just break us. That should just have us on our knees all the time. God has no use for conceited or prideful men and shows no favor to those, and shows favor to those who are humble. What would it be like if you woke up every day and you knew God had no use for you? That should be the death of every man who calls himself a Christ follower. I would be leveled if I knew that God didn't want to use me for his kingdom to point people to Jesus Christ. If I knew that it was all about me and every day I woke up, God had no use for me, that would level me. You see, pride is also listed in Proverbs chapter 6 as the number one of the deadly sins. And pride is usually the passageway to a man's heart that allows him to become careless and unable to receive correction, thus unable to see the obvious and condition of their hearts. James says God opposes the proud and tells us what he doesn't oppose, and that's grace. He doses out grace. He gives favor more when we're humble. And when that happens, humility surfaces. So there's this, there's this thing in our lives. When humility surfaces, God doses grace. God gives favor. And so the challenge is this. What do you do when you get all this grace from God? How, how, do, you, how do you combat pride thinking it's because of me? It's a daily struggle for men. One said it this way. Pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. So literally, the inclusio says we must humble ourselves, and when we do, God lifts us up. So what's the filling of the pie that's in between? What is the, what is the meat that allows humility and God's favor to come back on us? Well, look, look at verse 7. Look what it says. Verse 7 says this, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. So in order for us to receive God's favor and his grace, we must submit to God. We must come near to him. We must resist the devil. We must wash our hands. We must grieve, mourn, and wail. Our laughter must be torn, turned into to mourning. And there must be a point of repentance in our lives. And if that isn't the feeling that's in the pie, then somehow we will never have God's grace and favor. We'll just have a God who opposes us. The first thing I want to do is this. I want to address what I would call healthy pride and sinful pride. Because I personally believe there is a healthy pride. Turn to Galatians chapter 6. Turn back to Galatians chapter 6. 
I, I don't want you to leave here today and say that, it's, it, that, that all pride is ungodly, because it isn't. There is what we would call a healthy pride. Look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 4. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 4. Look what it says in Galatians 6, 4. Paul says, each one should test their own, what? Actions, okay? Each one, each man should test his own actions. Then they can take, what? Pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Look again. Each one should test their own actions. Then... You and I, men, can take pride in ourselves alone without comparing ourselves to someone else. The key to healthy pride, to godly pride, is not to compare yourself to someone else. You don't need to measure your accomplishments, your abilities, your talents, your money, your income, your family, your dreams, your vacation home. When you begin to compare it to someone else and you take pride in because yours is better than them, then that's sinful pride. But when you just compare it to yourselves, like, let me give you an example, a, a primary example. My, my, my family enjoys playing golf. And so my son plays high school golf and, and, and my older son likes playing golf too. And I like to too. It's a great way to refresh. So just, just, just recently, we were out playing golf, and my wife was walking along. She plays from time to time, too. This night, she was keeping score for the three brown boys. And as we're walking along, I came to a hole, and, and, and on this hole, I got my driver out, and I, and I hit a, what I thought was a pretty decent drive for me. It's nowhere what, 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 what Josh could hit, and I'm okay with it. I wasn't trying. And so after I hit this ball, I said these words like, that's a pretty good drive for me. Like, I wasn't comparing it to anyone else. It was like, and, I'm, and, and, and I even said, you know what, I'm pretty proud of that shot for me. I wasn't comparing it to how short it was of someone else's or how much farther it was than anyone's. It was like, I hit that and there was just a healthy pride. Like, you know what, for me, comparing it to myself, that's about as good as I can do it. And you know what, I'm proud of that. Paul says, when we begin to compare our accomplishments to other men and using them in such a way to say that we're better than them, then that's ungodly pride. But there is a sense of having pride in what Christ can do with your talents and what Christ can do through you. And there's moments when you're all alone thinking, you know what? Because of Christ living in me, I'm grateful that I was able to accomplish that with his help. That's a healthy pride, especially when you point the praise back to Jesus. The key to healthy pride is not to compare yourself to others. We can congratulate ourselves, but not at the expense of someone else, is what Paul was saying. We can have a healthy, godly pride about ourselves. And by the way, sometimes godly confidence gets blasted by someone who's pious, prideful, and sometimes prideful person mask in humility. Like somewhere there's this like, that you can't be confident in the Lord. You know, I think as men of God, we should be able to come to a point and say, my identity is in Jesus Christ. He equipped me to be this man. And because of my identity in Christ, I should be confident in who I am. That's not pride. That's just called godly confidence. And by the way, that's a good thing. I want my children to be confident in Christ. I want you as Christ followers to be confident. It's not a prideful statement to be confident, but often people who are prideful, who are trying to knock other men down, will look at that person and say, well, that's arrogance, or that's that's pride, when in reality, it could just be godly confidence. 
We should be the most confident people who are, because we are in Jesus, making sure, though, to boast in him. You see, somewhere along this path of Christianity, someone made it a simple thing to be confident in Jesus Christ. You see, if we don't fully develop the healthy side, then we don't know how to receive a compliment and handle godly success. You know, the Bible was littered with all kinds of things that said he was faithful in little will be faithful in much. You say, somehow, if we don't know how to say thank you because of what God has been able to do through us, when someone says, great job, if we, we don't know how to turn the praise back to Jesus and be confident in that, then listen, what do we do with godly success? You know, we do what we do so that it lifts Jesus up higher. And so the greater the glory that we can give, the greater opportunity that we have to lift him higher. Aren't there times when men should just pass and praise on men? Let me just say something, what, I, what I've observed about men. Men who struggle with pride rarely praise another man in public or face-to-face. You know, I'm a man. I, you know, I, I, you know, I observe this. I've seen times when, when I've struggled with that. And, and, and I'm telling you, here, here's the deal. Men who struggle with pride, you will rarely see them praise another man face to face, praise him in public, lift him up, because he struggles with pride. In his mind, if he lifts another man up, that pushes him down. Now think about it a second. Do you struggle with giving another man praise for a job well done? Do you struggle with commenting on social media about a job well done with fear of, well, I'm not going to lift him up because I lift him up, that knocks me down. Do you struggle because of something rooted underneath called pride? You see, when you do, in that pride services, you're probably most likely to be quick to point out what's wrong with that man instead of what God has done through that man. Because somehow you think that if praise happens to another man, the other man will be lifted up and it lowers your position. Men are pretty jealous in their praise of other men. And when that happens, men, it's called P-R-I-D-E, pride. It's in all of our circles. It's in business circles. It's in ministry circles. It's in family circles. It's in sports circles. It's like, I can't lift him up. When's the last time and how regularly do you praise other men by, because of what Christ is doing through them? The answer to that question will determine whether or not you struggle with pride. Now, there are times to hold on to your pride. When is that? Like, when do you hold on to healthy pride? Well, when someone insults your family, men, you should hold on to your healthy pride and stand against that. When help is, is offered for the wrong reasons, someone says, hey, I'll help you out if you do this. Your pride to say, no, I'm, I'm not doing this just so that somehow th- this benefits only you and not God. When should you hold on to your pride in the face of an enemy? You stand your ground and you say, no, I'm not doing that. When should you hold on to your pride? When it's about something that defines you as a person, your character. I'm going to defend my pride. How about... When should we swallow our pride? When you have failed at the job you were supposed to do, we need to say, I screwed up. I am sorry. When you don't know something, we need to swallow our pride and say, you know what? I really don't know. Um, Can you give me some input on that? You see, when we don't do that, it's a pride issue. When you need help, you should swallow your pride. 
When you have sinned, you should swallow your pride. When someone is wiser than you and gives you good advice, it's okay to say, you know what? That's a great idea, and I didn't think about it. But how did you think about that? You see, men would rarely do that if they struggle with pride. They won't look at another man and say, man, that's a great idea. Here's what men do. They won't even use the idea because they weren't the originator of it when you struggle with pride. And you know I'm right about that. You see, some persons are always ready to level those above them down to themselves while they are never willing to level those below them up to their own position because of pride. All that to say this, you can have great success and it's because God has placed favor upon you. Success is not a sinful thing. It's what you do with that success that leads to destruction or ruin. See, somewhere in our Christian circles, and I don't know why, and I'll tell you why it happens, it's because of pride. We think that somehow when God begins to move in a woman or a man's life or a marriage or a business or somehow, that it's our responsibility as men to make sure we keep them humble. Why don't we just say, praise the Lord for what's happening. May he get greater glory. We struggle with the successes of other men. There's also what I would call sinful pride. By the way, that's very obvious. It's when the star is you and not Jesus Christ. It's when the whole wide world is staring at you and can't see Jesus. And when that happens, James says this, you will be opposed by God. Insecurity breeds pride and is often manifested in a man by being quick to point out everything that is wrong with another man and never state what is good about that man. C.S. Lewis said this when it came to pride. He said this, a proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that's above you. So how does this sinful pride play out in our lives? Here's some ways that I know it happens because I'm a man. This is when you need to ask Check and balance. Okay, is this surfacing? Then there's probably a pride issue here. Here are some ways it plays out in a man's life. You rarely or outright refuse to give praise for a job well done to another man. Especially maybe if it's your competitor. You would rarely say, boy, he's hitting a home run. He just knocked it out of the park. If you refuse to do that, you have a pride issue. You rarely praise God publicly. And the reason behind it is you don't think another person deserves it or you think you deserve it more. So you would never praise another man publicly or praise God publicly because you inside of you think, I'm a self-made man. That's called pride. And by the way, another evidence of pride in your life, unrighteous anger surfaces frequently. Your landscape is littered with blow-ups with people because you needed to prove you were right. Look back over your landscape. How many relationships are just laid out? Guys and people, this just laid out, and you just came busting through like a bull through a china shop and just saying, I am right, and I'm glad I'm right. And you look back, and it's just littered with relationships and encounters and confrontations trying to prove that you were right, and people were hurt as a result of that. That's called pride. 
another evidence of pride in a man's life. You don't give God what's his in your offerings and your tithes. And you designate all of your giving because you don't trust the people above you to be able to handle the money like you think you could do and you could do it better. And so you don't give to God even in giving because you think you could do a better job with your resources instead of delivering it over to the leadership of wherever that is, that organization, that church, and trusting them. You designate every single piece of your giving. You control pride. Or you do not listen to others because you think you know more. Have you ever been in an account? Have you ever done that? Like someone walks in and you think, I know a lot more than they know. Like, what could they tell me? Like, I've been at this for 30 years and I got this young kid on the block that's walking in and he's gonna tell me how to do this? Like, are you kidding me? And so when he's speaking, you're thinking, I'm not listening to him. I'm just waiting till he stops so I can speak. That's called pride. And none of you have ever been guilty of that. Pride surfaces when you have an incessant desire to point out all the things wrong about a man and an incessant desire to talk about and bring it up to others when he isn't there. Let me ask you about your conversations. How do you talk about other men? And you have this incessant desire to say, let me tell you about him. Did you ever notice that about him? Yeah, me too. It drives me nuts. Like, he's not even there. You know what that's called? It's called gossip. You know why you're gossiping? It's because you have an issue with pride. Or you cannot admit that you are wrong and you refuse to say you screwed up. Or you refuse to join unless you lead. You don't like being a team player or you don't like being told what to do. Like, do you like being told what to do by your wife? Praise God, hallelujah. I let her tell me everything I need to do. Just praise God. I never have a problem with that. You refuse to do something unless you're the originator of the concept. You rarely find yourself in tears because of your own sinfulness. That's called pride. You are strong in your judgment of others. That's called pride. And by the way, right now, you know another evidence of pride? You are angry that I brought these up and the hair on the back of your neck is standing straight up. It's called pride. It's ugly, isn't it ugly? And the last way it shows, right now you're thinking, boy, I hope he's here to hear this message because he really needs it. <laughs> and some of you already thought, give me the CD. It's gone, I'm mailing it to his house. It's called pride. Look at Matthew chapter 7. Jesus addressed this issue too. He had something to say about it. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. You see, pride also leads us to this because it makes us feel better about ourselves. Look at Matthew chapter 7. Look at verses 1 to 3. Jesus said these words. He said, do not judge or you too will be judged. Like we read that. It's like, well, he wasn't talking to me. That was like a long time ago. Verse 2 says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. Well, you know, maybe, kind of, sort of. And with the measure you use, the intensity, the way, the fashion, 
it will be measured to who? You. And then Jesus said, why do you look, men, at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eyes? You know why we do it? It's called pride. If we can knock another man down in our really, really weird way, we think that lifts us up. Listen, it doesn't do anything but get opposed by the God and creator of the universe. And it affects your family, your children, your wife, your workplace, your dreams, your ventures, and your future. We somehow think like if we we can manage this pride that somehow God will still bless. No, no, no. Listen to me, dudes. If there's any form or fashion of pride in your life, you are regularly being posed and hindered. God will put the brakes on your dreams. God will put the brakes on your ventures. God will put the brakes on your future. God will put obstructions in the way and you will never accomplish what you could have if you walked in humility with the God of the universe. Let me ask you a question, men. When you have a chance to give an opinion of another man, what kind of report do you give about them? Like, what's your report about your business competition? What's your report about the guy in the workplace that's vying for the same job? What's your report about your boss? What's your report about your pastor? What's your report about your wife? What's your report about your neighbor? When you have a chance to give a report, the answer to that question will determine whether or not you struggle with pride. Maybe we just need to stop and ask the Holy Spirit to convict us because we've become so calloused and we've quenched the Spirit and we can no longer feel it because we, our lives are riddled with pride. Maybe we need to do what James said to do. Come near to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Weep, mourn, and wail, and repent. You know, King Saul, when he had David winning all these battles, 1 Samuel 18, 9 says that Saul had a jealous eye on David. You know what that's called? Pride. Like, he kept a jealous eye. Who do you have a jealous eye on right now? Like, well, you can't stand it that that family is succeeding. You can't stand it that that's happening in the workplace. You can't stand it that that competitor. You can't stand it that, that, that he's doing it better. You can't. Who do you have a jealous eye on that you're constantly giving a bad report about that you're just pointing out everything wrong about them? Who is that? Listen, if you have anyone else in your life like that, that's called pride. And the God of the universe is in opposition to you. And it'll directly affect your family because of your own pride because we are the gatekeepers men so James says come near to God and he will come near to you wash your hands repentant hearts grieve mourn and wail change your joy to gloom true repentance of your pride will have you weeping over your sin and then it says this in verse 10 look again look at look at this passage in verse 10 James chapter 4 Look what it says in verse 10. If we do all these things, by the way, this is often taken out of context, that the filling to this humble pie. Like, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's like it's taken. No, he's talking about pride and humility. And it, verse 10 says, if we do these things, we humble ourselves before the Lord. He will do what for us? Lift us up. I want to address humility for just a few minutes. 
because I think it's the most misunderstood word in, word in, our, in our vocabulary. I think humility is misunderstood completely. Like, like, how can I be a humble man? Here's the definition of humility. Let's begin there. Modest opinion or estimate of one's own importance or rank. Modest opinion or estimate of one's own importance or rank. You see, somehow, if someone has godly confidence and in a prideful man's heart, if godly confidence surfaces, because it's a fuzzy line, then somehow we think it's pride. Godly confidence isn't pride. You see, if somehow someone has that in their life, we think it's pride. Or if success comes his way, then we better be quick to point out all the things wrong with him or his dream or business venture so that pride won't serve us. Some of us wake up every day and think, we think it's our God-given responsibility to keep my brother humble. Like, you dare not move up and give God more glory because, no, God wouldn't want that. No, the Bible says when we humble ourselves, he lifts us up so that Jesus gets greater glory. So what is godly humility then? And then I'm going to tell you what I think is sinful humility because I think you can be sinful in your humility. Godly humility. Not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. A humble man does not look down on others. He can be both proud and humble at the same time. Proud of himself without comparing himself to another man's accomplishment and humble but not thinking more highly of himself than he ought to. So what's sinful humility then? I would say it this way. As harmful as thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to is, thinking too lowly of yourself will imprison your soul. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. You could actually say, I'm a humble man. You could actually boast about your humility. And when you boast in your humility, guess what? It's called pride. By the way, it was pride that turned angels into demons and humility that makes man as angels. The way you answer this next question, men, will determine your view on pride. And it's a difficult one. And so I'll ask you this question. The answer to this question, the way you respond to this, will determine your view on pride. Answer this question in your heart. Is it okay to enjoy recognition? Like, it's not a trick question. Is it okay to enjoy recognition? To let your chest swell up when you're being complimented. Like, is, is it okay? Like, think, I'm being recognized for using my gifts and talents because God's favor is upon me. He's lifting me up. Is it okay for me to feel good about my accomplishments that God is working through me? Is it okay for me to say, Jim, that was pretty good. Is it okay? The answer to that question will determine your definition of humility and pride. I won't answer it for you. You'll need to answer that. You see, let me tell you something about, about humility. Here's sinful humility. When we have become aware of our humility, we've lost it. Like, someone says, yeah, I'm pretty humble. So, 
do you lose it when you tell someone, hey, Chad, you're pretty humble. Hey, Matt, you're pretty humble. Like, your response to that is going to determine whether you deal with pride. And the minute that we become aware of our humility, we've lost it. Do you see how difficult this is? You see, pride is concerned with who is right. Humility is concerned with what is right. By the way, man, I'll say this again because this is the one that we struggle with. It's not your job to humble another man. That's God's job. Pride can turn you into a bitter old man. Pride can put you into the ground. At the very least, pride can keep you from greatness for God and his kingdom. Pride can keep you from advancing in life. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Lord, we struggle. And in this room and in the link and all across the world watching by internet are are men that are riddled with pride. Jesus, you tell us that the filling to that humble pie is drawing near to you, resisting the devil, washing our hands, repenting, turning our laughter into mourning, grieving, mourning, and wailing. There's this sense of that we're broken over our sin. And I gotta ask this question, man, when's the last time you wept over your sin? When's the last time you wept over these, your landscape littered with fractured relationship? When's the last time you wept over your incessant desire to tear other men down and give bad reports when they're not there? When is the the last time you wept over your, your, your longing to point out all the faults and judge? When's the last time you wept over your lack of desire to follow because you didn't? create and originate the idea. The truth of this passage today, this is, you'll either leave this room being in opposition to the God of the universe or having him covering your six. Throwing doses of grace and favor upon you and your family and and your business ventures, and and your dreams, and your marriages, and and everything you touch. So what is it? I mean, do you want the favor of God or the opposition of God? See, here's where it all gets kind of muddy. We don't like to admit that we struggle with pride. Because at the core of that is a deep-rooted sin that says, hey, that's not me. So I'm going to ask you to do something, men. Would, would everyone just stand here in the main and stand in the link, please? Please please don't leave the room. And I'm going to ask you to swallow your pride for a second. Like I had to in my office this week and I prepared this message and repented and admit it. And 
we ask you to do something here. We're about to sing a song that says, Lord, I need you. And I'm going to ask you to walk through your pride. Come forward and just kneel and say, God, I need you. It's not about me. God, there are things in my life that I know that pride is surface. And Spirit, I ask you to do something. I ask you to pound the hearts literally out of the chest of men until they move. So if that's you and you're saying, Lord, I'm coming, I'm surrendering, I'm going back and I'm, I'm becoming humble pie because I need you, Lord. I'm asking you to come to the front of the link and kneel from the back corners. It might mean you walk from the very back of the main. It might mean you have to walk across six people in your row because if you don't get this one down, you will leave this place and the God of the universe will be your opposer. So Lord, I pray that you move as we sing and may you get greater glory. In Jesus' name, amen.